Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah, God, you are good, you are great, you are worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. What a privilege it is to be able to stand in your house, Lord, and to deliver your message. God, be exalted in this place, be exalted in our homes, be exalted in our hearts, be exalted in our minds, God, because you are worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Welcome so uh, we're so thankful that you are here today with our broadcast. Welcome to our church. Welcome to our church service. It is so great to be in all of your homes. Uh, man, what a privilege it is when the gospel goes portable, when the gospel is able to be taken all across the world. We have been so blessed with all the feedback that we've been getting from uh, different people in different places of the world that's been actually following along with us. Man, what an opportunity and uh, just a great privilege that is to be uh, invited into your homes. So thank you so much for continuing on with us. Um, we're so thankful to have you here at the building. So I want to say happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you amazing moms. You guys, man, you guys are just worthy of double honor because of all the stuff that you do. I mean, even before the baby gets here, there's stuff you got to do. There's stuff you got to go through. So you are worthy of double honor today. And so I just pray that wherever you are, that you are uh, just surrounded in love, that you feel warm, that you feel blessed, that you feel valued. Um, I love you all. So uh, there is no engaged groups today because of Mother's Day. So what we want you to do, instead of logging onto our engaged groups, we want you to uh, Snapchat, FaceTime your mamas, blow up their Facebook page and Instagram pages with lots and lots of pictures of you. Like moms like that kind of stuff. Just send like a bunch of pictures, like, like every like 30 minutes, just send a new picture. Just blow up their phones and Facebook and Instagrams, just telling them how much you love them. Um, and so I also want to say a big God bless you and happy Mother's Day to all you mamas who serve in the U.S. military, all of you military moms. Um, um, I also want to say happy anniversary to Alik and Zina. Uh, I just thank all of our military families that meet countless holidays, just like this one, where sometimes they have to go without being with their husband and wives and just the sacrifice that you all make uh, can only be uh, done and lived by a few people. And so bless you all and happy Mother's Day to you guys. I also want to say a happy Mother's Day to all of the mamas whose children are incarcerated. There is one thing about a mama's love. You can't turn it off. Even when you feel like it would be a lot, a lot less painful if you could, but you can't. But thoughts of your baby behind bars can come with a lot of pain. And so my heart is with you, mamas, today, and I want to say happy Mama, uh, Mama's Day to you, and I pray that the Lord blesses you and keeps you uh, and surrounds you. Amen. I also want to say happy Mother's Day to the mamas who have lost children. I pray strength and grace and continued blessings over your life. God draws near to those who are hurting, and so I pray that the warmth of God's uh, nearness in your lives will soothe your aching hearts today. God bless you, mothers. 
Um, and, and just God bless you to all the moms, all the spiritual mamas, grandmamas that's raised their kids and their kids' kids. May the favor be upon you for a thousand generations and your children. Yeah, sorry, that song is just like so stuck in my head, but it's like so appropriate for right now. So anyway, bless all you mamas. Uh, I just am so thankful to be in the club with you all. So this is our third week as we're continuing on with our series of Building Hope. We are reading a book by Pastor Ray Johnston called The Hope Quotient. And uh, we are enjoying this, this series. And I'm telling you, this series just could not come, have come at a better time than right now. More than ever, we all need a little more hope. We all need to really take a look and examine hope in all of our lives. I must tell you that the first couple of weeks of quarantine, though, I have definitely found myself silently rejoicing. And I kind of feel bad about admitting that, but I, I did because it was almost like a mandatory Sabbath that I had to take. So it was like I was constantly looking around like, oh, you mean I, like I have to stay home? Oh, like I, I, I can sleep in because I have nowhere to go? Oh, you mean I can like stay in my PJs all day? Like I, first couple of weeks, I'm like, we get to do what? I mean, so excited. Not only that, but just really enjoying the time that I was spending with my family and my kids and my granddaughter, watching shows that I haven't watched in forever since my kids were little, like Dora the Explorer. But I'm finding myself like watching these cartoons and I'm psychoanalyzing everything. I'm like, so who told you you can go outside, Dora? Like why? Who said you can go outside? And no, you shouldn't go inside that cave. No, the answer is no. And what do you mean, the map? So if the map jumps off the bridge, you gonna jump off the bridge too because the map says to jump off the bridge? I was like, you know what? I'm gonna have to stop looking at these cartoons because I'm like, where is your mama, Dora? Where's your mama? Does she know you're still outside climbing mountains and exploring caves and crossing rivers? Go home, take your butt to bed. You need a nap. So, um, but I have enjoyed it, but I'm, I'm telling you, but after maybe about four weeks or six weeks in, it went from that silent rejoicing to being a little bit more concerned about, so what's life gonna be like when we go back to our new normal? Like, you can tell that during this time, yeah, it started off with a nice restful vacation. It came off, came in really slowly and smooth, and it was like, oh man, this is great. But then you start to see the normal that you once knew starting to deteriorate kind of all around you. And you're thinking, and I'm, well, I'm thinking to myself, man, when we go back, when we get released from this quarantine, things are going to be different. And I wonder what this new normal is going to look like. And for, so for someone like me, honestly, I'm a little bit more concerned about what the new normal is going to, going to look like. And with thoughts of that, it can bring in some discouragement. It can bring in some worry and some anxiety. But like I said, this is a perfect time for all of us to take a closer look at what hope looks like in all of our lives. So over the past two weeks, Pastor John has been teaching us some really great, important truths about hope. One thing we learned is that hope is the bridge from faith to love, to love the life we are living. I love the way he used that play on words. Hope is a bridge from faith to love, to love the life that we are living. There's so many people that, yes, they're alive, but do they love the life that they're living? When you're living a life without hope, there is no love, no, there is no bridge from faith to love, to love the life that you're living. And so hope ushers in the love of the life that we're living so that we're not just 
living to be alive. We're living to be uh, thriving and to be walking and um, 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 engaged in the word of God and, and what God's called us in our life. Pastor John also taught us that we aren't born with hope. We have to cultivate it. We have to grow it. We have to raise it up. It's almost like a garden. Uh, and, and in order to do that, we must stay encouraged in the Lord. One of the things that Pastor John taught, he said that dis, uh, encouragement is not just for the discouraged. Encouragement is for everyone. And in order to stay in hope, in order to remain hopeful in the Lord, we must in constantly encourage ourselves in the Lord, day-to-day practice. Amen? amen. Now, I know, I know a lot of you may have said amen to that. And when Pastor John said it, I said amen too. But I'm going to say this, staying encouraged is hard. Staying encouraged is hard. When discouragement always seems to be knocking at my door every other day, like I'm just going to tell you that. Staying encouraged is hard. When discouragement is a constant, frequent visitor to my door, to the doorstep of my heart all the time. And so encouragement is hard when single moms are trying to make ends meet. Encouragement, it's hard. When you've been quarantined or alone or, or maybe been quarantined with people that you don't feel care about you. Encouragement, it's hard. When you just don't know how things will look on the other side of all this encouragement, yes, Pastor John, I agree. We must remain encouraged in order to keep hope in our lives. But encouragement is hard when discouragement is always coming in to say something. But I want to tell you something. The same way encouragement in the Lord brings on hope, discouragement brings on destruction. Discouragement destroys everything. Listen to me. Discouragement destroys everything. Encouragement takes work. I mean, encouragement takes work. It, it like takes effort for you to choose to be encouraged because discouragement is always an option for you to choose. And a lot of times it's the easy option. It's not really something, encouragement is not something that we really stumble upon or drops into our lap. No, encouragement is something that we must grow, kind of like a garden. So I want to turn to you, turn, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter four and, and verses eight. I want this to be your memory verse. Listen, I'm taking a pastor posture right now and I'm telling you that this is your memory verse for the week. Even if you already know the scripture, I don't care. I want you to say this scripture to yourself, over yourself, over your children, over the walls of your house every single day for the whole seven days. This is our memory verse for the week, Philippians 4 and 8, and it says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any pray, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I hope you wrote it down. That's your memory verse for the week. I'm going to test you. You better know it by heart when I call you, because I'm going to call you. And I'm going to be like, hey, recite your memory verse to me. Go. You better have it. Down pack. All right? Now, listen, Philippians 4 and 8, why would Apostle Paul tell us what to spend our time thinking about? Why would Apostle Paul tell us how to spend our time and what to think on? A lot of times, somebody will tell you what you need to spend your time doing, but it's not very often that someone will tell you what they want you to spend your time thinking on. Now, I feel like that's very important, and what Apostle Paul was trying to teach us is he was trying to teach us how to fight against a pandemic that Christians have been fighting for years, a, a pandemic that Christians have been fighting before you were even born or before you were even thought about, and that disease, that pandemic is discouragement. 
because Christians were being persecuted in the street. They were being hung up like with Roman candles. They were being crucified just because of their faith. Let me tell you, there's nothing more discouraging than knowing that I can be killed. My children can be slaved, uh, to, um, sold off into slavery just because I want to believe upon Jesus. There's nothing more discouraging than that. And so Paul was trying to teach the church, listen, I want you to spend your time thinking on these things. Because Apostle Paul knew that discouragement will not stop until it eventually destroys everything in your entire life. But hope. Hope comes when we commit to remaining encouraged in the Lord, in what's ahead. The title of today's message is, title, is Hope the Antidote. The title of today's message is Hope the Antidote. For all of you that are taking notes, you can write down Hope the Antidote. That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> Discouragement happens to all of us, and it always comes on assignment. Like, some people can think, well, you know what? I'm super saved. Like, I'm super saved. Like, I was born, you know, speaking in tongues. I dropped into the water, baptized, came up. You know, me and Jesus is cool. I'm super saved. I do not get discouraged, and I want to let you know that's a lie. The same way we all take our turns at getting a common cold, athlete's feet, heat rash, I don't know, acne, whatever, we all get it. Sometimes discouragement has come and ruined countless family reunions, funerals, Thanksgiving dinners, Christmas dinners, birthday parties, baby showers, all because somebody couldn't shake the grips of discouragement, couldn't rid themselves of it before contaminating everybody else around them. Listen, I know discouragement can come through jealousy, through bitterness, through unforgiveness, whatever, but it's all under the umbrella of discouraged. You're discouraged about something. And discouragement has come on assignment to ruin countless family gatherings, all because somebody couldn't shake it. None of us are safe from discouragement, because just like all the things that I've mentioned, we all take our turn. The virus of discouragement, untreated, will work tirelessly on assignment until it kills, let's go back to what Paul said, every true, every noble, every just, every pure, every lovely, every good and virtuous and praiseworthy thing that you have tucked away in your heart. All the things that Paul taught us to meditate on. Have you ever found yourself like in a heated discussion with somebody? It's like it's almost kind of like an argument, but it's kind of not, but it's like, it's like you guys are both trying to get your point across and you're trying to figure out why is this person so upset like right now? And you're just trying to kind of figure it out all to find out that in the end, it's all because they were believing or thinking something that was untrue. Oh, honey, I never said that. Oh, no, no, I never did that. Oh, you didn't know. Why? Because we didn't take the time to meditate on what was true. What is true? If we don't meditate on these things that Apostle Paul is teaching us to think on, spend our time thinking on, then we can't protect it. We can't protect what's true. We can't protect what's pure. We can't protect what's lovely. We can't protect what's good, virtuous, praiseworthy, or virtuous because we aren't taking the time to meditate on it, to protect it. So when a lie comes to present itself and try to feed us some discouragement about a relationship, about how someone feels about us, about how, what somebody said or what somebody did, all because we didn't protect those core values of what Paul told us to protect in our mind, it gets tainted and it gets twisted, and here comes discouragement. If we don't meditate on the important areas that Apostle Paul instructs us to, discouragement will steal every precious moment, every pure moment right before our eyes. 
destroying relationships. You don't even know how it got destroyed. You're like, I don't even know how we got here. We were such great friends. I don't even know what happened in this marriage. I don't know what happened. All because we entertained the thoughts of discouragement and we didn't protect what was true, what was pure, what was lovely, what was good, what was praiseworthy, what was a, what a, what was a virtue. And so discouragement came and it stole that from you. But somebody needs to look at their neighbor, your pet chihuahua, or maybe just yell it out in the empty room, swiper, no swiping. Sorry, I'm back to Dora. Swiper, no swiping. Discouragement, stop swiping. Everything that's true, everything that's pure, everything that's good, everything that's lovely, discouragement, you've got to get out of here. In order to protect our hope, we must discover the tools we need to fight discouragement. Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 12, it says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Listen, if Paul is telling us to wear an armor, we must be readying ourselves to fight something. So we better have some fight in us. But when discouragement comes, it steals our fight. And when our fight is gone, our life goes with it. You have to be aware of the enemies, that the enemy is coming to fight you and it's coming to, to feed you and bait you with discouragement. He's coming to feed you and bait you saying, why, why go on? No one cares about you. No one values you. No one sees you. No one cares. Just stop fighting. No, Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that every time the enemy tries to throw an arrow at you, every time he tries to steal your joy or steal your hope, the armor is already protecting you so he can't penetrate what, the God, what God has already given you. Somebody says, swiper, no swiping. You have to be aware of the enemy's vices. The way Satan approached Adam and Eve in the garden, remember? He approached Eve, which is actually the lesser, the weaker of the two. He didn't go to Adam, who got the instructions word from uh, mouth from mouth from the Lord. No, he went to Eve to try to trip her up and maybe her interpretation of what her husband taught her. And the thing is that instead of uh, the, the devil telling her what to do, he instead challenged her with the truth that she thought she knew before the conversation happened. Remember, he started with a question, and it was almost like she thought she knew the answers. But all of a sudden, when Satan came and he challenged her on what she knew, on what she knew what she was supposed to do, on what she knew that she was supposed to eat or not touch or not think about or whatever, then all of a sudden, wait, hold on. Yeah, wait. Whoa, whoa. Because she didn't take the time, Philippians 4, to meditate on what was true the truth of God's word. What did the Lord say? How long, how much have I meditated on it? What was noble? What was just? What was lovely? What was good? What was a virtue? How long have I thought about it? How long have I memorized it? Because the enemy is coming and challenging me on something that I thought I knew before this conversation started. I have to guard what's true. I have to guard what's noble, what's just, what's lovely, what's good, what's praiseworthy and of good report. Because if not, the enemy will come and challenge me on it. And before you know it, discouragement comes in because I'm like, I'm, 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 off, I'm off running off to the right or to the left, discouraged over a lie. No hope, no strength. No strength, no fight. No fight, no life. Our life takes a fight. You've got to be a fighter to live a life that is abundant. It takes a fighter 
I know we read our Bible sometimes and we and we, sometimes we can paint this picture of the of the Lord being just this good loving father that loves to hold us and, and pet us, you know, like this little like this little pet kitten like it's almost like we have this like vision in our head of the Lord just kind of caressing us in his bosom and just petting us and we're just laying back in God's arms and we're just saying, "Yeah. Yeah." God's saying, "No. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who strengthens you." Don't you know who you are? Get up and fight. Take dominion. Subdue the earth. To subdue something, that means you have to take authority and a stance. You can't be a pet kitten taking a stance and authority to do what God has told you to do. How are you going to subdue anything saying, meow? You've got to have a fight in you to live. The only way to prevent the spread of disease is to wash our hands of discouragement. The only way to prevent the spread of this disease is to wash our hands of discouragement. Hope is the antidote that we need, and we need to start protecting the hope that we have. It almost feels impossible to avoid discouragement when you're a single parent with growing kids and a shrinking budget. It feels impossible to avoid discouragement when you're a business owner of a business that you aren't even allowed to open right now. It may feel impossible to be encouraged when you're single, quarantined, and you feel like you're all alone without a friend in the world, it may feel impossible right now when you've been diagnosed with a, a, a diagnosis of death and know that the doctors don't have a cure in sight. But listen, your perspective should not be what you see. Your perspective should be who you know. Stop going off of what you see and Bank on, depend on, lean on, trust on who you know because what you see is subject to change. And I think as Christians, that's something that we forget that the Lord is not moved, moved by what we see. Oh, Lord, do you see it? It's awful. God, isn't this awful? God's like, look, what you see is subject to change by what he says. Why? Because what he says it is, it becomes, and it is forevermore. So you have to know that what you see should not be the determining factor on whether you're encouraged or discouraged. I'm encouraged in the Lord, not in my situation, not on where I am, not who's with me or against me, not on how I'm feeling. I'm encouraged with the Lord because I know that my God will not fail. COVID-19 ain't punking my God. My God's not afraid of COVID-19. My God's not, not afraid or shivering because we're quarantined. My God is still strong and seated on the, on the throne. Discouragement destroys our will to live. Why? Because no hope, no fight, no fight, no life, no life. You have nothing. Your will to live and your will to keep fighting the good fight comes from hoping in the Lord. Let's turn to Proverbs 13 and 12. Proverbs 13 and 12 says this. It says, hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. A healthy heart. A healthy heart is one that continues to hope. In spite of what's blaring over on the news and the media, in spite of the hysteria and the fear that's covering the world and covering the earth, a, whole, a heart that's healthy is one that remembers and remains in hope. A healthy heart is one that still hopes. When everyone else is full of fear and full of sadness, when there's bad news around every turn, a healthy heart is one that still has hope. 
A healthy heart is one that still has hope when their children are running to mama and saying, mama, what are we going to do? Look at this. This is awful. A mama with a healthy heart is one that has hope to give to their children, not fear, not discouragement, not agreeing with the situation, not agreeing with how grim things is. No, let's agree on how good our God is. Let's sing songs of praises. If you don't have any words, sing a song. Sometimes it gets hard because maybe we lose our words or maybe we, 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 we get shaken by some news or something that's happening. We're like, well, I don't even know what to pray for, what to say. You know what? I will recall a song about how good my God is. Let your kids see you standing in hope in the Lord instead of being carried away in the discouragement of the times, the situation. What are you hoping for? That's the question today. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping to see? What are you hoping to accomplish? What are, your, what are your hopes in the Lord? What has the Lord told you will come to pass in your life? And are you still pressing forward to see it? That's the question. And if you have a hard time answering that question today, friends, I want to tell you that maybe your heart's been sick for a long time and you just haven't noticed. Maybe discouragement has come in to creep into every area of your heart for a long time and you haven't even noticed that your heart is desperately sick. Instead of looking for the good, instead of looking for what's true, what's good, what's lovely, what's pure, what's praiseworthy, a virtue, instead your heart's always looking for, well, what's next? What's bad gonna happen next? Well, yeah, I know that happened good, but you always know that this could fall apart. Oh, well, yeah, you know, that person came, but you know what? I'm just, I don't know. They might be coming to just set us up or do something. Always looking for the negative. Do you know what? Discouragement not just uh, destroys your heart, but you know, discouragement destroys friendships too. Because let me tell you, every time I'm around a discouraging person, like I can feel it in my bones and it's not a good feeling. Because listen, I'm trying to guard my heart. I'm trying to guard my hope. So if you're coming over here with all these discouragement, well, I don't know. Well, you know, so-and-so died. His cat is sick. And then, you know, his dog's toe is swollen. And, you know, the, da- the, 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 the daughter, she ran off. We don't know where she is. Oh, my. Is there anything that's true? Is there anything that's good, that's pure, of good report? Do you have anything else that you can tell me that's tra- praiseworthy, that's a virtue? Can you share that with me? Because you are so quick to, dis- to share the discouragement because your heart is so sick that you can't see anything that's good around you or anybody else's lives. All you can do is report the negative. Well, if that's the case, I can just watch the news. Discouragement has not just destroyed our hearts, but it's destroyed some of our friendships. People don't want to be around discouraging people. Get your heart together. Get your heart together so that more people would want to embrace you because of what you bring into the room. Instead of ushering in bad news and, 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 and sadden and sad songs and let's all just lay here and die. Instead, usher in something that's true. That's something that's pure, good, praiseworthy, a virtue, anything. Bring it with you. Arm yourself before you even go out. Get the discouragement and cast it out in your prayer closet. Then come out encouraged. Hope that you can share with the world. Why does sometimes we seem like we can rememberize all the words to a sad song, but we can't recall the words of a good and a, a, a joyful song? Sad songs stick to us like glue. Why? Because discouragement feels a lot more comfortable sometimes and familiar to lay in than hope. Discouragement feels like, oh, yeah, now this I can do. Why? Because you don't have to do anything. It takes less strength to be discouraged. You just lie there in the pain and the agony of it all. In the agony of the bad news, you just stay there and you lay there. And discouragement is a custom fit to lazy people. I'm just trying to tell you. Lazy people love to be discouraged because then it just helps them make up new excuses. Well, you know, I got to lay here because, you know, the doctor said if I lay more on my left side, then I mean, lazy people will think up a new reason to do nothing. Lazy 
people will think up a new reason to keep doing the old thing, which is nothing. But hope says, get up. Hope says there's more to do. Hope says there's more to come. Hope says there's more than just this moment. Hope says, come on, there's more ahead. I want to draw your attention to a mother today whose hope was running so low that she almost allowed the discouragement of her times to take her out. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 12. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 12. I thought it would be really great to share a story of a mother today because it is Mother's Day, and I believe that the Lord has something good to give all of us through this story of this mother. 1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 12, and it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. Him is Elijah, just so you guys know. Then the word came to him, Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that I may eat it and die. Hmm. That I may eat it and die. I wonder how long discouragement had been living at this woman's house before this day came. Because this day doesn't always come automatically. Instead, discouragement comes to visit, and then discouragement becomes a roommate, and then discouragement begins to insert, insert itself into all of her conversations, and then discouragement comes and inserts itself into all her decisions, and then discouragement comes and inserts itself into all of her thoughts. It comes to insert herself into all of her relationships, into all of her plans that she made for her and her son for the future. And all of a sudden, discouragement says, I have a different vote. Clearly, it looks like discouragement had completed its work because she couldn't see past today. She couldn't add up a future for her or her son. Her heart had been fully sick, and the disease of discouragement had taken full root in this lady's heart. But notice, at the beginning of the scripture, that Elijah was told by God, read it at the beginning of the scripture, Elijah was told by God that he had commanded a woman to provide for him. God commanded a woman to provide for him. Now, the God that I know and the God that you better know is a man that he shall not lie, nor the son of man that he shall repent. My God does not lie. God commanded a woman to provide for Elijah. But whatsoever was true, whatsoever was pure, whatsoever was lovely and good was no longer being recalled in the heart of this widow of Zarephath. Why? Because discouragement had came in and left everything that the Lord had said to her and commanded to her, telling her that this day was coming, she left it unprotected. And she failed to cultivate hope in the life of her and her son by being encouraged with what the Lord said. The Lord told me, listen, I'm sending a prophet to your city and I want you to go out and I want you to make bread for him. I don't know when this day is coming because the way my God works, he don't give days and dates and timestamps. But all I know is, all I know is, God says he's bringing somebody and I gotta make them some bread. The hope 
in me is going to stay encouraged because I know the day is coming when the Lord's going to use me to not just feed his purpose and his plan, but to feed his man of God, which is going to go on to feed the nations. I'm, about to, I'm being called upon upon the Lord God. I don't know if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, but God, I'm ready. But there's something in this widow's life or in her heart that discouragement said, God's not coming. God's not sending nobody. In fact, won't you go ahead and make that bread for you and your son and you die? But the truth of the matter is this lady knew something, you guys. This lady heard something, but discouragement robbed her of what she heard from the Lord and made her forget that the Lord says, I want to use you. I want to use you for my glory. I want to use you to bless my man of God. Discouragement makes us forget that I'm called of the Lord for greatness, that I've been placed in this season and in this generation for a great purpose. Discouragement makes us forget that God has a plan and a purpose in my, in my life, and it's a part of his beautiful design. Discouragement will make me forget that God didn't bring me this far to bring me this far. But this widow, if we, she would have disciplined herself, According to Philippians 4, to think on what was good, what was true, what was pure, what was a virtue and praiseworthy. But instead, discouragement came. Swiper! Stop swiping my hope. Stop swiping my dreams of a better future. Stop swiping the dreams and future of my children. Discouragement. Get out of here. That's what she should have been saying every single day. Discouragement. Get out of here. Get out of the life of me. Get out of the life of my children. My son will go on and do great and mighty things for the Lord. That's what her resolve should have been. But discouragement came and said, sing my song. Rememorize the words of my song. Sing the things that I want you to say over yourself. Forget what the, what the Lord says. Sing my song over yourself. She failed to open up her windows and let the light of hope come in and fill her house and fill her heart and cause her to wait in great anticipation for God's plan to, become, to come to pass in her life and in her son's life. God commanded her to provide for Elijah. It says it right there in the verse, in verse 8. So here's the question. What has discouragement robbed you from in your life? What, have, what has God told you that he wants you to do? What has God told you to ready yourself for? And discouragement is trying to make you forget it. Come on, let's continue to read in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 13 through 14. We're going we're gonna to finish with this. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and for your son. And thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. Listen, Elijah didn't let the disease of discouragement from this widow rub off on him. Why? Because God told Elijah something. God told him that this woman would provide food for him. And it wasn't for Elijah to figure out how God was going to do it because, oh, hold on, God, she only got this small bin of flour and she only got this little corner piece of oil. He didn't go back to God with the excuses of the times of what he saw. No, instead, he relayed on who he knew on what, listen, all I know is God told me that you are going to provide bread for me. So instead of being swayed or moved by your sad story, about your somber um, um, issue, about, about what's sad and what's going on in your life, instead, I'm going to obey the Lord and I'm going to tell you what God told me, 
Make me some first. Because God says that you're going to provide for me, and I believe that's going to happen today. So won't you go and do it? It wasn't for Elijah to figure out how God was going to do it. Because guess what? We don't have to know what's going to happen to have hope. We don't have to know. We don't have to know how it all ends or how it all adds up or how God's going to do it. We don't have to know all of that to have hope. Elijah didn't let this woman's hopelessness cancel out what he knew about his God. After listening to her sobering story, he told her, look, make me something first. To people that don't know God the way Elijah knew God, maybe he would have said, oh, man, I see the complicity of your situation. Maybe I'll find somebody else to make me bread. But people haven't seen God move the way Elijah saw God move. People didn't know the attentiveness of God the way Elijah knew the attentiveness of God. Maybe if he would have said, oh, I understand, it's okay, never mind, what would that have done, not just to him, but to the woman? What happens when we decide to not obey God because somebody's discouraged? God, I know you told me to make myself ready and to go into there and do this, this, and that, but when I got in there, so-and-so was discouraged. And so I didn't really want to push him or make him feel uncomfortable, so I just decided, never mind, who are we? to change the narrative of what God is doing in our lives? Who are we to allow someone else's discouragement to come and infect us? Who are we to say that their discouragement is bigger than my God and bigger than the plans of my God? Swiper, no swiping the mission that God has called me to do. I don't care if you're encouraged or discouraged. I'm going to stand flat-footed on the word of God, and I'm going to deliver and say it exactly the way God told me to say it today. Your discouragement shouldn't sway me from being able to stand and obey in the footsteps of the Lord, and it should be the same for you. Whether you meet a crowd of discouraging people or a crowd of encouraging people, let your resolve be the same. Because the, 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 the times and the temperature and the, and, and, and the things that's been set in our environment, it goes up one minute and down the next. And if we connect ourselves to what's going on in the world and in the media and how people are feeling and what they think and what they believe, if we allow ourselves and our soul to be connected to that, dude, I don't know if I'm coming or I'm going. I don't know who I am anymore. What's my identity? Why am I here? Why? Because there's so much confusion. And discouragement is saying, just lay here and just die. Elijah's mission didn't change when he heard her story. So why should my change? When I meet somebody that's discouraged, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be insensitive. I care about what's going on with you. But I know that my God is bigger than this situation. My God is bigger than this moment and there's more to come. Swiper, no swiping my dreams, no swiping the reward that God has in store for me, no swiping the plans and the purposes that he has already stepped out and laid out before me, no swiping at my family, at my son's future, at my daughter's future. My children shall go on and be mighty men and women of valor. No swiping our dreams, no swiping our family legacy. Discouragement, you've got to go. No hope, no fight, no fight, no strength, no strength no life. I'm going to hope on because there's more ahead than that's what that is that's behind me. I'm going to hope on to see what the end's going to look like when God delivers me from the plagues and delivers me from the fire and delivers me from financial de de devastation and delivers me from loneliness and delivers me from fear. I'm going to hope on because that, my friend, is how we fight against discouragement. That, my friend, is how we remain in the hope of the Lord. Whatever things are true, whatever things are pure, 
I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to know it backwards and forwards. But when Satan comes and asks me questions to shake me up, I'll say, oh, nobody. I've been meditating on what's true and pure and good and lovely. You can't steal it from me. Swiper, no swiping. Hope is the antidote for discouragement. Hope is how we're going to fight through these times, these discouraging times where nothing makes sense. Hope is going to be our resolve. Hope is going to be our hope, our boat. Hope is going to be the wind and the sail that carries us from this season to the next season so that we can go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith, all because I contained hope in my heart and I didn't let it go. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, it says this. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great are your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Woo! That's some good news today. Therefore, I have hope. Not because of the president. Therefore, I have hope. Not because of the plagues. Therefore, I have hope. Not because of my financial situation. Therefore, I have hope. Not because of how I can add it up or what I see that's going to happen. I have hope in the Lord. Why? Because he is my portion. He is my portion. Be determined to set the thermostat of hope in your hearts today. When you set a thermostat, and I set my thermostat this morning because it's hot. When you set a thermostat of hope in your heart, things heat up on the outside, things get cold, things heat up again, but the thermostat of my heart has been set to hope. So no matter what's going on on the outside of me, oh, honey, it feels good in here. It feels great in here. There's peace in here. So whether fear is raising up and drawing up the temperature on the outside, oh, honey, there's peace in here. There's peace like a river. Also, whether, whether there's uh, anger and, 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 and violence and, and, and all kind of craziness going on outside, oh, no, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding in here. Why? Because I set the thermostat of my heart to hope. And I'm not moving with the exterior conditions of this world. My heart is steadfast in the Lord. I'm going to hope in the Lord. I'm not going to hope in the encouragement or the discouragement of those around me. I'm going to hope in the Lord. I'm not going to hope in my financial situation or what the world says about my business or if my business doors close or if they open or whatever. I'm going to hope in the Lord. Because when I hope in the Lord, I'm able to hope on till tomorrow. So let me tell you something. If you wake up tomorrow morning, and discouragement decides to greet you when you wake up, I dare you, I devil, I double dog dare you to yell out, swipe or no swiping. Discouragement, you better get out. The hope I have is that my God is greater than the poison that you offer me today. Let that be your resolve. And don't forget your memory verse. Say it over yourself. Say it over your children. Make it into a rap. Make it into a song. I don't know. Put a beat to it. But let it be your resolve and your anthem this week. Discouragement has no place for you. Not saying that it won't show up. But baby, ain't no room for you. So you can't stay 
here. Wherever you are, I want you to rise to your feet as we pray and acknowledge what the Lord is doing in our hearts today. We're gonna end with a, a, a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that you are sovereign, that you are the same in season and out of season, God. There's nothing that changes about you, oh God. You are sovereign and you sit in the, and you, you sit in the rightful place of kingship in my heart. God, our, hope, our hearts have been set to hope today that no matter what's going on on the outside, no matter what's going on or what's raging all around us, God, our hearts are set to hope today. God, give us the courage to hope on. Give us the strength that when we look in the face of discouragement, we can say, get out. You have no place here. God, I pray right now, God, for those whose hope is hanging on by a thread. God, I pray that you lift their head and you love their soul. You are the lifter of their head and the lover of their soul. God, I pray right now, God, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit is being injected into every heart, into every room, into every mind, into every family. God, fill up every empty space right now in the name of Jesus. God, remind us to hug our babies, to speak the word of God over them, to, let, to lift them up and raise them up in the words of God, to make up songs of how good you are and how good you've been. God, I pray right now, God, that you remind us to use testimony time and our family time, that we all take turns testifying to the greatness of the Lord, God. Allow us to be those kind of teachers to our children, that our children will rise up, overcoming the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Let them be able to open up their eyes and see the greatness of the Lord, that, God, you're constantly moving. God, you're not void here. You are here. You are doing amazing things. And God, I thank you, Lord God, that we release you fully into our lives. God, let the streams of revival come and penetrate and cover every single one of us. God, revive our, our, our failing hearts that has failed to hope, that has failed to be encouraged in the Lord. Revive us again, oh God. Resuscitate our faith. Resuscitate our joy. Resuscitate our peace. God, we love you today. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.